Hopefully nobody breaks a plate today. <laughs> Everybody mentioned it. <laughs> Everybody was like, who was breaking the plate? I was like, oh, you saw that? They said like, I had a look. I looked back, I was like, and then I continued talking like nothing. <laughs> they said like, oh my God, is it? <laughs> I was like, like, you chilled. I'm like, oh, I was just counting up to five. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm gonna kill somebody. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's not even one. Right, it, I counted, you know what? Yeah. Hi, guys. Welcome. It's um, Pumelelo. Uh, it's me again, Pumi over coffee. And today I'm flying solo. Um, I just wanted to just take it back. And figure out where it all started. Uh, just walk you through the whole journey. Um, what I've been through, what I've done. I suppose there's more lessons in talking about, you know, your experiences and everything else that you've gone through. So now my idea now is, since I'm calling up guests to come and have a, a bit of insight according to how they navigated the route, wait, let's have a chat about how I navigated my own route. You know, let's, let's figure out as well what it takes uh, to build any particular business, creating a brand, making some money of it, living of it, um, those kind of things that we need to go through. So I will probably start with where the journey started. Uh, who am I? Uh, for those who don't know, my name is Mpumelelo Zulu. I was born 40 odd years ago um, in the East End, Katahong. Uh, I know everybody else figures I'm from Pretoria. I grew up in Pretoria though. I uh, lived in Soweto. So basically, I'm a proper Gauteng guy. Uh, born and bred in Gauteng, East Rand, Pretoria, and then to Soweto. Uh, within that, my journey, I, I got fortunate enough to get accepted to one of uh, previously Model C schools uh, where I learned a, a little bit about myself. You know, when you leave your comfort zone, when you get outside, that's when you start discovering things about yourself. So that was my journey when it started. Um, Grew up in Pretoria, met a few friends. I think that's where my core character was built. Um, in the East Rand, I didn't spend too much time. I think by age six, I left to, to, to move to Pretoria. Now, my true story starts, I think, when I was 14, 15. Um, wanted to be one of the, you know, every black kid where grows up wanting to be um, a, a professional, um, you know, be employed and do good within your community. That was me as well. I wanted to be, I think, a fire assistant. So I wanted to be like a fireman. Um, two, three years later, I think when I was uh, 14, 15, I think 16, um, I went to boarding school. Uh, that's when I started discovering that there's more possibilities out there. And it wasn't helped by the fact that I think bad boys won. That's when uh, Martin and uh, Will Smith uh, came on. And I saw a Porsche there, um, nice 911. And having fun with one of the kids that, like, like, one of the guys that I was in school with. And he was like, dude, you know, you'll never get to drive that car because you want to be employed. And I was like, what do you mean? Why can't I just save? And he's like, that's not how it works. You need to start a business. And get into entrepreneurship and just be your own boss. For me as a 16 year old, that just didn't make sense. I mean, 16, somebody telling me to start my own business and I'm thinking to myself like, but I had it all figured out, career it is, you know, I'm just gonna go there, get a job, you know, be good. And since then it started bothering me that when I grew up or how I grew up, 
those were not the options to start a business. Um, I started looking outside my box, um, discovering that, you know, there's so much more outside the box. As a youngster, you take a chance. You decide that you're going to, you know, go to varsity, do what everybody else expects you to. Like your, your, your route to success is, you know, paved for you. I decided to just recreate and start a new route altogether. I started getting obsessed with creating wealth, with starting a business. I mean, this guy, his name is Harry. This guy, his father has, had already planned for him. Generationally, he was sorted. He was a guy who was going to take over his, his dad's businesses and stuff like that. And I was a first generation. No, actually, let me not. I was, I was new to the idea of even starting a business, leave alone creating wealth. And that started being a thing where I get obsessed with. I started reading books. Um, early books that I started encountering was uh, Richard Branson's How I Lost My Virginity. Um, Trump's first book, I'm trying to remember, I always forget the title, but Trump's first book when he explained how he built his empire and lost it all and, you know, before Trump became the guy that he is now. <laughs> so anyway, uh, two, three years later, um, as an 18-year-old, choice of going to varsity or, you know, going to more like a vocational um uh, uh, college, you know, route instead of, you know, the normal varsity route. So my decision was, hey, let me do vocational. Let me do more hands-on. Then I did electronics. Uh, the path was to go IT, start creating uh, something for myself. When IT was new, I was getting in and in, 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 in SA, more people were getting more into the internet. And that became a thing. My obsession started growing. Now, this is me now changing the whole path to say, this is what I'm going to be obsessed with. I'm going to become one of the biggest IT guys. Um, first attempt was 1999. Uh, 1999, I think I was probably 20, 1920. And I was figuring out how to get into this uh, whole IT world. Started uh, developing websites. That became such a cool thing. I uh, started developing where, what, what you call it, um, chat rooms. Uh, training I received from IBM to become like a programmer. So that helped. I didn't fit in the world of an IT guy. I don't look like very IT, uh, you know, sort of a character. I'm not quiet. I, I'm very inquisitive. And within IT, you just have to follow the rules. You can't really do things that uh, are outside of what, you know, you're supposed to be doing. If you're going to be programming, um, an ATM to give people money. You can't do any funny thing, you know, funny things <laughs> on the sides that will probably be saying hi or anything like that. So it was very uh, closed up. So I didn't enjoy that particular space. So I ventured out. Since I did electronics, I figured, you know, let me get into uh, building computers and stuff like that. So that worked out a bit better. And a few years later, I think 2000, 1999, 2000, yeah, we started our first company. I reached out my first company when, as a 20-year-old, 21-year-old. Um, that's where my life pivoted. So basically, I've been trying, failing, winning since 2000. I know some of the guys are probably wondering at, in 2000 what they were doing, what they were eating, or whatever that is. In 2000, I had my first business, and it has been the worst 
bug to ever bit me ever because that has been my journey. I have, somebody says, you know, some people's target is like a million. I think I've gone through a couple of millions in just trying to figure out what do I need to do. Uh, the losses came with lessons. So every time I figured what not to, to do when you need to get business going, you know, uh, registering, um, I learned um, about, uh, uh, what's this, compliance. Um, I, I discovered things like um, more lessons you could have in how to manage your money. Um, I didn't know how to manage money. Money came in, I figured that's money for the business and me. Um, so what would happen is between the two of us, me actually buying equipment or stock and me going out would be you know, intertwined. Um, three, four years later, 2006, I had a very successful IT company that was, well, it was small. It could afford to pay me, so it was successful in those terms. I had a few good clients. Um, I remember one time I spent almost 7,000 rent to convince a client to actually, you know, go with me for a service provider. It started off as two of us having a meeting. The guy started inviting his friends without me knowing. The next thing, there's seven or eight of us on a table, and I had offered to pay the bill while there was two of us. <laughs> now there's seven of us, and I'm thinking to myself, like, you know what, honorably, you got to, you know, stick with it. And lo and behold, the guys were shocked that this young guy wanted to pay their bill, and... That was Friday on, on, on that particular day. On Monday, they called me up, offered me work, which was a gamble that I took to say, you know what, I will show these guys that I can play within their field. And yeah, Monday, I got a big deal. So hence, I'm saying it was a, more like a successful business. So that was the first success that I had in business, which was uh, 2006. I sold that business in 2008 to travel. So there was an opportunity to just, you know, get to know the world and stuff like that. So as an IT guy, I figured I'd probably be more useful overseas, get to Europe, you know, just figure stuff out. And got to England, uh, 2008. And I think the only IT thing that I did was probably just getting myself a laptop. After that, I just got into a new world altogether. I discovered coffee. So 2008, I discover coffee. I discover how of a business it's brilliant. With IT, you probably need to sort out a few clients that you can handle, you know, build them. Sometimes you'll have money. Sometimes you won't have money and stuff like that. But with coffee, I discovered that every day there's people that consume coffee. There's people that come into a coffee shop. There's people that engage with the space that you create. A new obsession was, uh, you know, developed. Uh, so... My coffee journey started in 2008, and from then onwards, it has always been about how to get it right. After the travels, I think spent two, two and a half years in the UK. Um, I used to work for one of the big brands, mentioned them, Starbucks, uh, but Starbucks UK. So I worked from, started cleaning tables, making a bit of coffee, to being the guy who trains everybody to make coffee, managing the store, um, and then becoming a coffee master. My keenness and interest was so, so high that I just didn't want to learn one particular aspect. I just wanted to learn everything. And it became a proper, proper obsession that was positive in my life. I used to work, I think, 70 to 80 hours a week. I think head office once called me to say, dude, when do you rest, you know? 
Um, for me, it was more getting to know more people, getting to understand what the business is about. Plus, I needed to make money so that I could bring it back to, so that I could open my own coffee shop when I got here. Uh, 2010, uh, the World Cup, sadly, I missed it. I was hustling. I was making money. Um, but I, I knew that these, the how train stations were getting opened. So in the UK, the train stations or the tube, everything like that, these coffee stations, like the small units and stuff. So I wanted to do that when I, when I got back. I'm thinking, how train, so many people that are going to be in it. And that's the plan. Nope. You get here, the Houghton doesn't even want you drinking water. So you can't even take a little cup of or bottle of water into the train. They find you 700 rands for having gum. So those things, like, you know, when I, when I got back in 2010, um, that didn't work out. Um, I had to, um, you know, pivot, do something else. And I got into manufacturing. Worst idea ever. I knew nothing about manufacturing. I think that's where I lost the most money ever. Um, money that I brought back, my bucket loads that I brought, gone. So you start imagining, how are you going to start your, your restart your dream or your goal later without um, any funds? Um, well, I went back to formal employment, got a job, became normal again for a bit. Uh, but one thing is I couldn't keep a job. Um, I was very, I'm the worst employee you could ever have. Um, I just, if it's not mine, if I'm not driving it, it just becomes impossible for me to, you know, lock in, to be focused, you know, to be to be useful to the, to, to, to the business. So, yeah, 2013, I had a nice job, uh, left it. And I think 2014, I started working for another coffee shop just so I can refine my uh, local skills. My training has never stopped. So learn a bit of coffee, learn about how South African market uh, uh, operates. And 2015, 2016, started my first brand in coffee. That was Coffee Africa. And that was supposed to be brilliant. I tell you, that was supposed to be the most brilliant thing you can ever do. Yay, did I not get burnt again. So I had a partner. Um... We sort of got along from work. I uh, met him through um, uh, being employed with him, and we were okay. I mean, it was like a guy, he understood um, the, the business. Um, I was going to be more of, you know, marketing the face, and he was like ops and stuff like that. And we did well. I mean, we opened our first shop in Soweto, Bilagazi Street. At that time, that sounded like a brilliant idea. Villagazi Street, tourists, people understand, um, you know, coffee, well, we thought. Uh, people had an idea of the whole cafe living, you know, just go to your cafe, grab a coffee, get a sandwich, and stuff like that. Um, Soweto didn't understand that. Sowetans didn't get it. Um, they didn't understand why they have to pay 30 rands for a cup of coffee while Frisco was 30 rands. Sort of understood where they came from because they didn't understand the whole premium coffee world. Now it meant we had to educate people about the product. Mind you, we don't have that much money to actually keep the day-to-day -day running, leave alone spending money to educate people. Coffee, uh, tastings that we had to do, give away so much coffee. I think we gave away almost like a thousand cups of coffee within the first three, four months of opening just so that people could understand how uh, the product is. Um, within that, the lessons were you gotta understand 
your market and your product. Uh, you got to understand where your product will probably uh, flourish and where your product will probably struggle. We kept Soweto because it had a good story, but it wasn't making money. So we, had, we needed to find something that will make money. Um, then come in, I think, 2016, 17, we met the guys from JNB Hive, Dylan Peary, uh, came and recruited us. And was like, you know what, guys? I've got a brilliant idea for you guys. How about we set you guys up in Bramfontein, which sort of made sense because they understood coffee. Uh, I think the problem with that was location. Location was a bit crappy. Uh, we couldn't really attract as many people as we wanted. So that became like second lesson, which was location, you know, how to secure the best location, how to understand your location uh, for your product. Within that, you start looking at traffic flow. Where do people that you are targeting uh, are likely to be? Where are they moving to? You know, it's not really, it's not supposed to be rocket science, but it is sort of like rocket science-ish, you know? Some of the best uh, businesses are located in the best spots. You would never find Nando's in a bad spot. They work hard to get the best, best location. Uh, Seattle has mastered it as well. They choose the best sites. So if you ever find a coffee shop that is not Seattle in a particular space, just know they probably tend it down. Uh, Barry and the team do well to actually find the best location. So he gave me a bit of tips. I think when uh, when we moved to Bramfontein, he was like, dude, are you sure this is ideal? Um, he wouldn't spend his money on a, a particular site like that because of Firstly, the visibility, who is the person that you're going to be targeting, can they afford a cup of coffee, by just looking at them. So you, get, you do like an eye test of any product versus your market matching. Market access, difficult as it is, it also needs a product that will probably you know, do well within that. Then we uh, got recruited to come set up at FNB, which was our first corporate engagement. They loved the story. Um, I think going to Soweto also helped with that. Because now we're in the news and people are talking about... Basically, they were excited about people opening up in Soweto. Somebody would probably be like some crazy guys decided to go take coffee where coffee is not really properly consumed. We're supposed to be pioneers of uh, uh, a product, like coffee that has been consumed for centuries in Africa. But South Africans really we were late to the party when it comes to coffee. Now, FNB, that worked out better. Uh, we got, we even got money to set up. FNB set up everything for us, and some guys uh, came through a foundation called uh, SIA. I'm just social investment. Yeah, I think social investment. Somebody they came through uh, to the party. They set up the store for us at FNB. We became a, pre a project for them that they could push. And so now we got three stores or three sites that we, we have, me and the business partner, and things started falling apart. Um, I suppose we, uh, I think that's lesson number four, which was partnership, understanding who you're working with, how you're going to supposed to be working with them, what is each, each other's roles, um, what happens when you guys make money? Because some of the things are not discussed. When we start making money, if some of the things are not discussed, problems start showing up. Uh, naturally, people have a tendency to be greedy about things, and it shows when now you guys are in the public eye, people are loving whatever you guys are doing, you're appearing in 
um, magazines, you get newspaper articles about you guys, which is all good. But partners-wise, then the other guys start discovering that, you know what, you are the only person who's who's known within that. And, you know, then the friction and then accusations. And 2017, I walked away from something that I've built. Um, it took me years and years of planning and years and years of execution to make sure that it worked out well. But I believed that I started this and I can do it again. So 2017, June, July, things falling apart. I set up Caffeinated. Took me a week to set up the name, register the company, get a, uh, the brand and the branding going. I actually did my own logo at that time just to, just to be quick, just to be out there because I knew I just needed to get the momentum going so that I, you, know, you, you don't fall in the cracks of depression, getting stressed that you know, I just lost my business that I started. I just moved on. Even today, people are still asking me, how could you be so coy about just the moving on? I was like, I just didn't have the energy to fight. I was accused of such a big thing by a person that I was working with, and they literally made it known that I don't want to work with you anymore. Um, we can go to court, fight this over, and, you know, and the energy of going to court for me was just a waste. Dude, I don't even have, you know, a good lawyer for, and I, I didn't plan on lawyers. Uh, which is another lesson that you need to have. Get yourself some retainer law law firm or get yourself one of those uh, monthly payable law firm thingies that you can get so that you can get some advice from people that will help. You never lawyer. This is me now. All my eggs are in this basket that is breaking now. So what do you do? You move on. I moved on, took my loss. Uh, it was a big L. Everybody was just like, you know, and left three a business with three stores to go start up something small. I started under a tree. <laughs> That's how I usually call it. Uh, started doing markets. Uh, started setting up under gazebos. And this is a guy who's had three stores. And the new path now was more of how do you recreate that? First thing that I did was change the whole focus and the concept of the business. Go to where people understand where the product is. Um, 2017, biggest goal was I need to be setting up in Santin. I had zero money. I think I had, in an account, I had 180 rands to set up the account, and I didn't have money for until month end. Um, there's a few guys that came through, uh, borrowed me money to survive the month, pay rent. Where I was staying, the rent was, geez, was a bit high. Now that I didn't have any employment. <laughs> And I started, like, I needed to refocus and start living within my means. And boom, I got a call from somebody who read an article about, um, you know, Coffee Africa. And they asked me, oh, is Coffee Africa available to do work and stuff like that? So I tell the lady, like, you know what? You're talking to the right person. I've just got a different brand now. And I don't know if that's okay. And she's like, no, we need you to come and, you know, do... Uh, product um, tasting and setting up a, a little coffee station for um, a corporate event. That was, I think, end of July. First week of August, I'm doing the work. They extended for, I think, three more months. Within that three months, that's where I got money to restart the business. Then I reapplied with the JNB Hive as well to say, guys, can you please help me out? I know that we had you know, the coffee shop there and things didn't work out. Now I'm, I'm on my own. And 
they agreed. They also came through. I bought myself my own equipment. I think for the first month or two, I was renting the equipment. Uh, shout out to Sikle, Sikle Magubani from Sikle's Brew. Uh, he gave me um, the machine that he uses for events. I had it for like, I think three or four weeks. And he didn't even charge me crazy amounts. He just gave, he said, you know, I just pay uh, whatever you can uh, from whatever you're making. And Caffeinated got its first boost through favors, through friends, through people that were, you know, nice enough for um, to understand the story and to understand the, the, uh, the focus and the vision. The main thing about that was le- lessons that you learn from the failures, from the move, from from moving from one point to the other, from pivoting, from um, skilling yourself, from social capital. You know, social capital is so important. People don't understand. As much as you might not be people's a people's person, you need to have people that you can call on to when you need to uh, do something. Uh, Twenty seventeen was. The biggest lesson ever. I lost everything, and I started gaining. Um, you know, from the losses that I, I've, I've went through. Twenty uh, eighteen's biggest goal was to open in Santon. Now, how did that go about? Started looking for spaces in November to say Santon, we're coming. Caffeinated is coming there. Started developing the brand, you know, bit by bit to develop it as um, a coffee brand that people can trust. Um, I started in creating the coffee guy profile where people can actually call me for coffee. You know, I did a few consultation jobs uh, that helped to develop um, our footing in the business. So you see, I, I still managed to sort of be in touch with the industry while I'm still developing the brand. Developing the brand was very key. I knew uh, the aesthetics of the brand that I wanted. Uh, I had guys like Dylan giving me crap every time about how the brand is supposed to look and everything like that, which I understood because it gave direction to what we have, you know, today. Uh, March 2018, we found space in uh, Central Square where we're at right now. And funny enough, at that time, we were discussing a lease uh, with rental of almost 20000 with literally no money in the account. So I signed my first lease uh, with zero amount in the account and not even knowing where we're going to get that money. Leave alone to set up the store, uh, the money just for the deposits and stuff like that. Um, started working more events. Uh, it wasn't paying enough or quickly enough. And somebody just came through and be like, hey, do you remember me? I met you at this particular place. Um, you were serving us coffee. Would you like, you know, I'd like to, to, to meet up. Would you like to meet and have a chat? Um, I'm interested in getting to the coffee business. In my head, I'm thinking, oh, another consultation, no, another consultation job. Little did I know that was my, I think my <laughs> key to the bigger picture, which we are, we are, we are at now. Um, the lady came through. Um, her name is Natalie. Natalie came through. Natalie came with big dreams of, how she wants to get into the coffee industry, what she wants to learn and everything. like. And I was like, oh my God, who sent you? You know, um, the belief that we're going to open started being uh, a real because we were like, oh, we're going to open the store and stuff like that. We got our first investment of about 
220,000 to set up a store. Um, the, I, I, I had to do everything myself because calling anybody else would have been crazy and more expensive. And we started planning the opening. Um, our opening was in August, uh, no, September, sorry. Um, August, we're developing the store. September 2018, the store opened. It was three or four tables in the store. And I was like, you know what? I could have opened with one table if I had to. I just needed to start. That is like the biggest thing that people always forget. Another lesson that you need to get into. Start. You need to start. Whatever you do, if you're planning it, you're thinking about it, you're waiting for the right moment, I'm going to say start. Start small. Um, start wherever you are and make sure that you, 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 you're putting yourself in a position of success. Most people will probably trust a person who has started something than a person who's planning. If it's still in your book, if it's still in your computer where you're still planning on it, uh, chances are you won't even get much out of an investor or an investment because it's still you know, uh, hidden. But if you start it, somebody can see it and see your vision and you know, get it going. I started. Um, we, on the day before we had to open, I think we had like 2,000 rands to buy milk and the other things that we were missing. We were just going to focus on making coffee. The customers came on Friday. They were looking for sandwiches. They were looking for baked goods. We just had coffee. So we were like, you know what? Monday, we'll sort it out. And Monday, <laughs> somehow, something else happened. Some friends came through. They were like, what do you need? And within that, we had equipment. We had things that to start. By end of the month, we literally had something that looked like a coffee shop. Lesson again, talk to people. Don't be afraid of um, acquiring good debt. I don't know if there's such a thing, though. <laughs> good debt. Good debt is what's going to help you get ahead. Uh, good debt is buying a house. You know, buying a house is good debt because I suppose um, you're going to live in there. It accumulates and stuff like that. But also good debt is starting a business. If you can start a business and take some debt from anywhere you can, why not? It's going to help you. Yes, I, as I said from the previous episode, um, I owe a lot of money and... Look, it's not a funny thing or a little thing. Uh, it's not a small thing. It's it's huge, but I had to do it so that I can get where I need, like where I needed to get to. We're still not there. Um, it's still a long journey, but you gotta take some of the chances. You gotta take some risks. You gotta gamble on yourself. If you can't gamble on yourself, nobody's gonna gamble on you. So those are the things that I had to pick up and say, you know what, do it. So I'm gonna impart the same knowledge. If you wanna start something, start. Do not ask. Um, how do I start a business or where do I, uh, what's called, where do I get money or where do I, the question that you should be asking is how do I solve something? How do I get into a space where I can be important? What's available out there uh, that I can, uh, I, like, I can fill the gaps that are created? There's always something that somebody needs. Make that a business and don't wait for the perfect moment. Just start, you know, it's, it's, it's the biggest, biggest, step in the right direction you know just setting up and starting cool the last thing is understand where you want to go so let's say today you're starting but you're starting as at your house but you know the bigger goal is to be in a shop it's to be in a big space it's be in a factory have that vision write it down imagine it every day every day look at the same problems that everybody else sees differently as where the vision is supposed to be have that in your, in your space and say, my, my company is going to be one of the biggest in the country. 
my company is going to be um, the most important within my industry and uh, within the ecosystem that we're creating. Do not be afraid to take a chance. Don't be afraid to take a gamble on yourself. I mean, it's you who understands what you, your, your, your bigger goals are. Learn from uh, other people's mistakes. You don't have to do the same mistakes that some of us has done. Call up, you know, call a guy and say, dude, um, how do I uh, uh, get a mentor? What's important about getting um, help? What kind of education should I uh, go or get? Uh, what lessons, what skills and stuff like that. And, you know, some of us can be more helpful. I can't put it all into one episode. So in the next episode, let's have a chat with um, other people to see how their journey was. This is how my journey started. It was a long journey. And if you're still listening right now, thank you very much for that. Podcast is Mbumi Over Coffee. And we'll be releasing a weekly uh, podcast about business, about life, about lifestyle, how to manage the, you know, the balance, and um, ultimately how to be successful in whatever you're trying. The goal is to get as many people as possible to start and to be successful in what they do. Thank you very much. This was Mbumi Over Coffee, and we're out. Thank you.